we're going to begin our message this morning by sort of talking a little bit about last week. So if you were here last week, uh, maybe you'll remember this. If you weren't here last week, I don't want you to be uh, lost. So uh, let's put up our sermon slides here this morning. Um, if you remember, we, let, we ended with this particular message last week, that, that we have a new purpose. When we're born again of the Spirit, we're given a new self, really, to live into and that new self has a purpose, and the purpose is to live for Jesus. The very sort of uh, bumper sticker kind of thing, live for Jesus. But we want to drill down a little bit this week to understand what that looks like. How does, what does that mean to live for Jesus? Does it mean I just get up on Sunday and, and come to church or fellowship with people? Um, what does that mean to actually live our lives for Jesus? So our whole purpose uh, needs to be understood more deeply in order for us to, to live into this new life in 2022. Remember, we're going to live into our new you in 2022. We want to we be who God wants us to be in this coming year. So there's really two parts to this. As I was thinking about it this week, there's, there's two different parts, two specific things that we need in order to live for Jesus. One is we need to understand what it means to, to grow up. Because if we're born again, we're born again sort of as like babies in Christ. But then we are meant to mature. And scripture talks about that in many ways and in many places. Ephesians uh, 4.15 is one of those places. We're going to talk about that this week. But we also need to understand our freedom. One of our songs this morning was about the freedom that we have in Christ. What does that mean? What am I free from? And what am I free to do? So it's not just being free from our past, but we're free to actually walk into the purpose that God has for us. There's a reason that you have breath and you have life. And you are free to live through Christ to fulfill the purposes that God has for you. So let's look at the scripture that we started with last week. It's from 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'd like you to read it with me. Let's read it together. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The old has gone and the new has come. We want to understand the new. We want to be able to understand what it means to be made new in Christ. We don't want to live according to the way in which we were raised before we knew Christ, the things that we did, the ways in which uh, our, our, our own personal selfishness and our own desires got in the way. We want to now live for Jesus. What are his desires? This is where blessing lies for us. So I want to talk about how we do that. Not just give you sort of a general statement, a general blanket, live for Jesus, but how do we do that? Because... I believe that we're entering into a time where we can no longer be content with the status quo. We can't reach some seemingly acceptable, comfortable plateau in our lives and then just lay down, get comfortable in our beanbag and and wait for Jesus to come back. He wants us to grow. He wants us to not settle. And so this this is what we need today. God wants his children to live for Jesus, to live out their purpose. So in Ephesians 4, 21 and 22, we looked at this last week. It says, in regards to the old way of life, I want you to put that off or take that off. And I want you to put on this new self. 
Now read, read, read with me what this new self was created for. Created to be like God. <laughs> That's a big change, right? That's a big change. Going from, from sinning and living for ourselves in selfishness to being like God. Doesn't say we're going to be God, but we're going to be like him. We're going to have characteristics like he has. So what do we know about God? Want to, want to name a few characteristic attributes of God, they call them? What is God like? Anybody over here? He never lies. He never lies. Yes, he's always truthful. That's a good one. What is God like? Somebody over here. Love. He's full of love. He is love. Yeah. Anybody else? He is faithful. He does what he says he's going to do. His promises are all true and guaranteed that he will fulfill them. Anybody upstairs? What is God like? He is forgiving. That's a good one. It's a good thing he's forgiving. Right? Anybody else? Anybody else upstairs? What else is God like? All knowing. Oh, I don't think we're going to get that one. Not yet. When we see him face to face, we will be like him. We will begin to understand the world. Uh, so there are some attributes of God, all knowing or omnipresent everywhere at once, which we, we can't be like him. But the other ones, we can be more forgiving in 2022. We can be more loving in 2022, right? We can, we can begin to become like him in many different ways. And so we want to understand how does that happen? How does that happen? We can't stop growing. We can't stop changing. We can't stop maturing, living, walking by the spirit of Jesus. We can't get comfortable with where we're at and just stop. That's not God's purpose for us this year. God's purpose in us requires us not to settle for anything less than God's plan for us. So we need to understand what God's plan is, that he created us to be more like God in this new self, this new person that we're putting on in Christ. So I want you to see this morning how to experience the first one of those two things, spiritual maturity and spiritual freedom. This morning we're going to talk about how do I do that? How do I live into that? What does that look like? How do I put on this new self? Well, first of all, the first way in which you can do that is, is number one, this point that I have here this morning. God's children must seek to know God. And then, as they know him, to walk in relationship with him. Tanya was describing a point that we'll get to soon, but, but our relationship with him is established in Christ Jesus. Jesus did all that we need in order to have a relationship with our Father in heaven because he's forgiven us of our sins. But... We need to walk that out. What does it mean to walk in relationship with God? To be empowered to minister in the name of Jesus to other people in this world around us. To cooperate with God's design for our new self. Because we can not cooperate. We can stand in rebellion. We can ignore. Or we can walk in relationship with him. But we can't mature as God's children if we aren't growing in our knowledge of God. Getting to know him. This isn't an intellectual knowledge, although it includes our intellectual knowledge. This is a knowing God, like knowing your best friend. Knowing your spouse. Knowing your children. 
That doesn't mean you read books about your children. It means you spend time with them. It doesn't mean you read books and, and about your spouse. You spend, you spend time with them, right? That's how you know someone, by spending time. So some of the things that we do to spend time knowing God is we spend time in his word. We spend time reading the Bible. I mean, these are basics. We're here at the beginning of this new year because sometimes we need to review the basics together. Like, what are we doing? And is it accomplishing what God intends for it to do? His word will not return void, scripture tells us. In other words, it will do what it was intended to do, but we have to spend time in his word. We have to spend time meditating on his word. What did he say? Why did he say it that way? And asking the spirit of God to enlighten us, to help us to know him more. That should lead to worship. As you spend time with God and know him more, you should become more worshipful. We have an awesome God. He is a great God. He is loving. He is forgiving. He is full of grace. He is all knowledgeable. He is everywhere at once. He will never leave us or forsake us. So as we get to know him, our ability to worship him should grow. Our communication with him, which we call prayer, should grow. As you get to know how loving he is, how graceful he is, that he extends grace even when you screwed up again in 2022, his grace is sufficient. He has the ability to pick you up and get you going again. You're not trapped. You're free to walk into a deeper relationship with him. As you communicate with him, as you're honest with him in prayer, as you worship him, as you spend time knowing him in his word. And yeah, attending church or watching church online during these times that we're in is important because it gives you a place to belong. You're not alone in this world with God. You're part of the family of God, a network of God's people that he's placed on the earth for today, for his reasons and his purposes to be fulfilled today and in the coming year. So we come to church, we listen to sermons, we try to process them together, but we also share life and care for one another. You're not an island. Sometimes someone needs you and your encouraging phone call, your encouraging visit, and other times you need them because we're meant to be in relationship. Remember in the Garden of Eden, God said the only thing that wasn't good is that man was alone, and so he created a helpmate. He created someone to share life with. We're meant to share life together as believers, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, using our gifts, using our time and our talents to bless others and to help them to know God more deeply this year. So God's children must seek to know God and walk in relationship with him. If you don't spend time doing any of those things, reading the Bible, talking to God, worshiping him, hanging out with other believers, at least communicating with them that you love them and you know that God loves them and, and, and letting them minister back into your life using your gifts. If you don't do any of those things, guess what? You're not going to grow this year. You're not going to mature this year. You're going to either stay the same or go backwards. I don't even know if it's possible to stay the same. With all that the world throws at us, I think we just get beat up and we go backwards. We need to go forward in God's purposes this year. And we do that by seeking to know him, doing the things that allow us to know him, and walking in relationship with him faithfully. And when we fall, we get back up and we start doing it again. 
We keep going. We keep, we keep giving ourselves to him because he gave himself for us. So another thing that, that, that we're reminded to do is that, that God's children, they must hold tightly to who they are, their true identity in this new self, the self that Jesus died to give you, that you are who God says you are. John chapter 1, it says, and we looked at this last, last week as well, this verse, to all who believe in Christ, you believe in Christ, raise your hand. Okay, all right. To all who believe in Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right. You have a right because of your faith in Christ to become like God, to become children of God, to be more loving, to be more graceful, to use your spiritual gifts to bless others around you. You have that right. No one can hold you back from that except you, except your lack of faith. What does it mean to have a right? Well, we should know that as Americans. We're always fighting for our rights, right? The freedom of speech and you know, all these other things. It is to have the just, the right, and legal permission or privilege or authority to have or to own something. So we have a right, an authority, a legal permission given from God to become a child of God. No one can keep you from that. God gave you that permission. He has the power to carry that out in you if you walk in relationship with him. Where do these rights come from? Well, being a child of God is a right and a privilege because of what Jesus has given us. He gave us the right. We didn't earn it. We say this again and again. We didn't earn it. We don't do anything to even keep it. He gave it to us. It's a free gift that came with our salvation. We have a right to be a child of God. Sadly, too many of us don't understand the new life in Christ that he gave us. So we keep on living the old life. The old life that was inherited from Adam, it says in the word. We, we got that sin nature from Adam, not from Christ. Jesus has come to give us spiritual maturity and a new life and spiritual freedom as a new creation. But the question I have to ask myself and I want you to ask yourself is, am I exercising my rights as a child of God? Do I even understand the new me that Jesus has created me to be? So that I can walk in that life. So let's start with what I just mentioned. Let's start at the beginning with the old you. Don't worry, we'll get to the new you. But we have to understand the difference between the two in order to to discern how am I living in 2022? Am I living according to who I am in Christ, a new creature, a new creation, or am I still leaning towards what I've always been and what I inherited in my sin nature. In order to understand the difference between the old and the new, it's important to understand a few things about original creation and the effects of the fall, the fall being that sin that we have illustrated for us of Adam and Eve eating the apple that God told them they shouldn't eat. You see, we have a positive inheritance from God. 
And if you turn to Genesis, which I'd ask you to, if you've got a Bible here this morning, let's look at Genesis, the very beginning. We're at the very beginning of a new year. Let's look at the very beginning of what God set up for us, what he gave us, how he created us. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So, number one, you are not some kind of accident, some kind of strange thing that came out of the mud thousands or millions of years ago. You were created in the image of God. Bottom line, Jesus came to restore what sin has done to that image, but, but ultimately every human who takes breath has the image of God somehow implanted in their inheritance, in their DNA. If we did one of those DNA tests that could go all the way back, it would go all the way back before Adam sinned, and the image of God would show up, would be there. You've inherited that. That's important for you to understand. It says also in chapter 1 that he blessed them. He created them, male and female, and he blessed them. Verse 31. God saw that all that he had made was good. In fact, after this creation of man and woman, he said, very good. In Genesis 2, 2 chapter 7, I mean, Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So our our physical life was given by this breath of life that God gave us. That's why we're not a rock or you're not dirt. You know, you, you have life and your life was given by God, by the spirit of God. He breathed life into you. In verse 15 of, cha- of chapter 2 in Genesis, it reveals that God gave Adam a place in the garden and a purpose for his life. He's not purposeless. You're not purposeless. You have a purpose inherited. Just by being human, you have a reason. This is what people are searching for all over the earth, and yet it's right here in God's word. It says, the Lord God took the man, he put him in the Garden of Eden to work at it and to take care of it. He had a responsibility, he had a purpose. You're not meaningless. You also have a purpose, inherited from God given by God to live out your life for him. Adam enjoyed several benefits from creation. Adam was created both physically and spiritually alive at the same time. To be spiritually alive is to be in union with the Father, union with God, fellowshipping with God. It says in scripture that that, that God would walk with him in the cool of the day, that they would talk and fellowship together. What a blessing that must have been. In a healthy, life-giving relationship where there was no sin, as he walked with his creator, as he walked with God. But like Adam, our union with God was also broken by our fall into sin, which is described in Genesis chapter 3. We, we, we were told by God to live within the boundaries of how he made us, and yet we want to push that. 
The enemy comes and gives us a temptation to, to do what God told us specifically not to do, and we go and do it. It's like we have to do it because we have this inherited part of ourselves that just has to see what will happen if, you know? They do, they do these little experiments with children. They say, you know, don't, don't eat the marshmallow or don't push that button, you know. And then that's all the kid can think about is the marshmallow or the red button. And they just have to do it. And eventually they just, you know, after a certain amount of time, they just do it just to see what will happen. We have this inside of ourselves as well. And it has led us to much pain and much suffering and much separation from God. So... We need to understand that because of the fall into sin, we've inherited both positive, the image of God, the purpose of God, some responsibilities and and, and, and reason for living, and some negative from Adam, this this desire to to do what we want to do and not be told what to do. Spiritual death, the loss of the knowledge and the fellowship with God, is the result of sin. Because their intimate relationship with God was broken by sin, you can see that in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 23, the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden. He didn't destroy them, he, he just took them out of that perfect fellowship, that perfect environment, and life became hard. As a result of the fall, Adam and Eve's sense of safety sense of security, who they were, sense of purpose, sense of belonging, were all replaced by these negative things that dog us to this day. Anxiety, fear, insecurity, anger, destruction, all come from the fact that our fellowship with God was broken because of sin. In the garden, Adam and Eve could only make one wrong choice, Scripture tells us. And they made it anyway. Just one. I don't know about you, but I can make one a a minute. You know, there's a lot of wrong choices I can make throughout the day. It's a difficult thing to deal with the temptations that come, whether they're in thought or they're in, in actual action. But the things that come about on a daily basis, they could only make one And they made it anyway. So we have inherited this tendency to also make mistakes, go in the wrong direction, do what God told us specifically not to do. So they eventually made that one bad choice. And as a result, we have followed in their footsteps and sinned. Every one of us, Scripture says, have fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God is pre-sin in the Garden of Eden perfect fellowship with one another and with God. This is the glory of God, having a purpose and a meaning and a place to belong, being completely safe, being completely secure. This was taken from us. But Romans 3.23, we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And All who are in Christ have been justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. So the bad news has turned good because of Christ. The fact that we were separated from God, we had no no hope of glory in God, 
has been replaced because now we've been justified. Justified, the kid's definition is the best one out there. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just if I. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what Jesus did for us. And that new self can live in that new security of knowing that's what Christ has made me to be. That's the good news of the gospel. But once we've been born again of the spirit, this dismal inheritance from the first Adam is not to be the focus of our life, not to be the power of our lives, not to be the thing that drives us in our lives. Because now we have a much more positive focus for us in Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't don't think about who you were. All those things you did before. The reasons you did those things. But now fix your eyes on who you are now. Christ is sometimes referred to as the last Adam. The apostle Paul talks to him. There's There's a first Adam and then a second Adam. The first Adam, through that Adam we inherited the ability to sin. This desire to rebel against something that we think we want to do. We think we want to do our own thing. We, we inherited that from the first Adam. We also inherited, we're made in the image of God. God breathed life into us. So there's good and bad mixed in there. But what happened is now the second Adam, Christ has come. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, physical being. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. So your physical self comes from the first Adam. We're all somehow connected through our DNA. But your spiritual self comes from Christ. He's a life-giving spirit. For as in Adam all will die physically, so in Christ all will be made alive again. Life comes from, death comes from first Adam, life comes from second Adam. So why am, I, why am I going back to this? Because I think we need to understand this. In order to walk in the newness of life, our identity has to be formed by the second Adam, by Christ himself, and no longer controlled by the first. So what is God's plan for transforming us from being like the first Adam to being like Christ, our second Adam? What is God's process for this? How is this even possible to go from death to life. Well, Jesus revealed this to us in his discussion with Nicodemus. We must be born again of the spirit of God. In John chapter three, verse three. The moment you say yes to Christ, your old self is no longer in control and the spirit of God is given to you to take control. Your new self is forever here. It's not some days you're, you're, you're old and some days you're new. You're new. Some days you may act old, but you're still new. Eternal life is not something that you're going to get when you die. So many of us have this wrong concept. Like for now, as we're living in these physical bodies, we have to live according to the sinful nature. But then when we die, we'll get eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's not the gospel. That's not what it says in God's word. 
What it says in God's word is it, when you put your faith in Christ, your eternal life began. You were born again of the spirit. Eternal life is something you possess right now. Did you know that? Often we say, oh, well, you know, when I die, I'm, I'm so happy I know Jesus. Because when I die, when I die, no, 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 You're, you know Jesus now. So live in Christ now. Don't wait till you die. Why live in misery for decades when you can live in Christ for decades and for an eternity? This is, this is where our thinking has to get straight. That's why I go back so that we can go forward. Because to understand that God created you originally to be in perfect fellowship with him, to have a purpose and a meaning in life, to live according to his purposes for you. When Christ comes, you're now free to live that way again. You were captive. You were a slave. You could not live that way in your old life because of the first Adam, because of the effects of sin. But now Christ has removed those effects from us and now we have freedom to grow in the knowledge of God and then to grow up into Christ by placing our faith in him. Being a child of God is not just a matter of getting something when you die. That is a sad, sad distortion of the gospel. You get something now. In the moment of your faith, today, you are a child of God. Being a child of God is a matter of being someone, not getting something anyway. It's being someone. Someone who is brand new. Someone who is made and is being made into the image of Christ. Being born again is a transformation process that has already begun when you placed your faith in Christ. If you're not growing, it's your fault. You have the freedom in Christ to grow. You have the wisdom of Christ to grow. You should be growing. I should be growing. I'm not, I'm not just saying that to you. I'm saying it to me too. When I preach my sermons, I have to preach them to me too. That's the hardest part. We should be growing into the image of Christ. Being born again transforms us into someone who didn't exist before because of sin. We were dead. So we're not trying to rehabilitate the first Adam. We're not trying to, to take the first Adam and all his sin and somehow rehabilitate it. No. Dead and new. Old and new. Dead and alive. These are the differences that Christ makes. So our new identity is in Christ. This new identity didn't exist before we put our faith in Christ. It is a gift of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He, he or she is a new creation. That old has gone, gone, and that new has come. Spiritual maturity and spiritual freedom come by seeing yourself for who you really are in Christ. You know, self-image is important in, in, this, in this context. Our self-image is important. Not the kind of self-image the world talks about, you know. Not staring in the mirror and saying, you are beautiful, you are powerful. You are... No, no, no. Not that stuff. Not the self-help stuff. But our self-image is super important because our self-image as believers comes from Christ. You will behave the way that you see yourself. 
This is actually true whether you're old Adam or new Adam. You will behave the way that you see yourself. If you think that you're a no-good bum, you're probably going to act like a no-good bum because you think that's who you are anyway. So why strive for anything else? Just be a no-good bum, right? But if you see yourself as a child of the living God, who is spiritually alive because of your faith in Christ, who is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, who is loved eternally by the Father God, you will begin to live as Christ lived because that's how Christ saw himself. He knew his Father loved him. You remember at the baptism of Jesus? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Have you ever heard that in your spirit from Father God? If not, I want you to hear it. You are beloved by God. He's pleased with you because of what Christ has done and because you placed your faith in Christ. He's not ashamed of you. He's not angry at you. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you with an everlasting love. If you let that sink in, it will change how you behave. Your image of yourself as a child of God is super important. Next to knowing God, knowing who you are as his children is extremely important because it affects your behavior, because your behavior starts deep inside of you somewhere with how you think and how you feel and how you process. So if you know you're a child of God, if you know you're forgiven, if you know you have a purpose and and God has a plan for you, then you live that way. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 and verse 19. I think I have a slide for this, Elvin. 1 Corinthians. This is, this is so striking. And Paul does this a few times in a couple of his, because he's trying to help the early church get this straight. <laughs> so let me turn to it in context so, so you don't freak out because I can tell some of you are reading ahead on that slide and saying, whoa, 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 what is happening here? So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? So don't be deceived. Neither do sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor nor idolaters, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. So we're all okay to that point because we don't think we're any of those people. (laughs) But verse 11, Paul says, and that is what some of you were. That is what some of you were. That list of horrible things that you say, oh, 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 I'm glad I'm not. No, no, no. no, no. Paul says, that is what some of us were. And this is what some of you were. Were is the important word in that statement. Who were you? But, let's go on to the next slide. But, big but. This is good, good stuff. You were washed, 
You were sanctified, which means made holy. You were justified, which means as though you never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that? And by the spirit of God, the power of God, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. You're not the same as you used to be. You're not those things that that we think, oh, that's a horrible list. That's who we were without Christ. But now, because we've been washed and sanctified and justified, all of those words are super important. They all mean a little bit more of God's work going on in us. In the name, the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord, and by the Spirit of God, you're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. This is amazing stuff. This is unbelievable stuff. Because our whole purpose in life, the whole foundation of who we are has been changed. Believing God's word about your identity in Christ as God's children is foundational to you being able to live out or put on, like we said, take off the old self, put on the new self, So take off all that stuff that you were and put on all of this. Be washed, be sanctified, be justified, be made holy because of Christ Jesus and because of the Spirit of God. Listen to a few few more verses. This new birth comes with a new title. When you became a Christian, you got a new name, a new title. Right? So I'm going to read the verses because we don't have time here this morning. But in, in John 1, 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So this is what children of God are. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. In Galatians 3, 26. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God because that is what we are, that verse says. That is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it doesn't know him. So dear friends, now we are the children of God. Now we are the children of God. Not when we die and go to heaven. Now, by faith in Christ, we are the children of God. Do you know that? If you know that, you will live that. If you don't know that, you will live the old way. You will live according to the old patterns. You will live according to the old thinking. But if you know that you're a child of God, you will live as a child of God. Romans 8, 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God... They are the children of God. So children of God are led by the Spirit of God. I have a a, a list of a hundred more. No, it's maybe not a hundred. I shouldn't exaggerate. A lot more of these. I I left some at the information desk. Um, I have some on either side of the the row down here if if you're closer to the front. It's a who I am in Christ. Who I am. Who am I? Right? It's, it's verse after verse after verse. I want you to start reading these, underlining these, meditating on these, writing them in your journal, because your identity is what's important. You should identify ourselves. We should identify ourselves for who we really are in Christ. 
a child of God who occasionally sins. Now, this issue of sin is a big deal. Because often when we fall, when we trip, when we are tempted and we take the bait, we think, oh, I'm now the old Tom again. Well, the old Tom is dead. So how can you be the old Tom? Now, maybe you did something that the old Tom did, but that doesn't make you the old Tom. You're a new creature in Christ. You have to identify yourself with Christ, not with your sin, not with your sinful nature. That's been crucified with Christ. See, we fall into these, these, these half-beliefs, these false beliefs that, that trap us, that keep us from growing, that keep us from walking in freedom. You're a child of God who occasionally sins. Be humble. Be honest. I will. I occasionally sin. I probably sinned yesterday and the day before. You know, so there's times when, when, when sin does have its way with us and we, we give in too, too easily. Excuse me. But listen, that doesn't change your identity. You are and always will be, by faith, a child of God. What happens to our ideal relationship with God when we sin? Well, Tanya did a good job of illustrating it, but let me clarify it. We didn't save ourselves in the first place. And we don't keep ourselves saved by our good behavior. Get that right out of your mind. We are related to God by spiritual birth when we put our faith in Jesus Christ to save us. Ephesians 1, 7. Let's read it. It's, it's on this next slide. Let's read this out loud together. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Again, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. When you sin, and you will occasionally you need this verse. You need to know this verse. Ephesians 1.7. Because in Christ, now that you are a believer in Christ, you have redemption. You've been saved through his blood. You have the forgiveness of sins because of God's great grace. Not because of you and your behavior, but because of what God has done. So that harmony with God, that fellowship with God, does get interrupted by our sin. But as soon as we come back to the truth, because sin is a lie, it's always a lie. When we come back to the truth, we come back to our senses, we reestablish our fellowship with God, and we get to walk by the Spirit. We get to walk in wholeness and in freedom and in maturity as believers. We are no longer captive by sin. We might feel some shame, some guilt, some regret. Even when this happens, our relationship with God is not in jeopardy because we are related to him through the blood of Jesus. Not through our blood, not through some other nice person, through the blood of Jesus, the most powerful thing ever. So as we get ready to go, we want to sing a song together. This is a song we've sung before, but this is a powerful message for us. Because nothing can improve our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We're his children because of what Christ did. We just keep on believing what God's word tells us, and we will begin to be changed by it. 
If you've put your faith in Christ already, you are a child of God. Even if you're sitting here filthy with sin, you're still a child of God. And nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. The worst of sinners is welcome when they come to him through the name of Jesus. So our fellowship, our intimacy, our closeness, our harmony with God is the issue of daily living, walking in that truth. As we think about this, we need to get our roots down deep into this, into God's word, into who he has made us in Christ. And it will change this year. This year will be an abundant year. This year will be a greater year. This year will be a more successful year. This year will be a more victorious year if we live as who we truly are made to be. If we stop living according to the past and start living into what God has done now, he has already done it. We have this redemption. That's what that verse says. We already have it. It's ours. I'm just going to read real quickly. I know it's 1122, but you've got nothing to do. This, this list, if you can get one, there's some in the back, there's some in the front. Take this, meditate on it. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am a child of God. I am Christ's friend. I am a slave of righteousness. I am joint heirs with Christ, sharing in, in inheritance with him. I am the temple, the dwelling place of God's spirit. His life is within me. I'm a member of Christ's body. I am reconciled to God, and I am a minister of reconciliation. I am a saint, according to God. Did you know that? We think saints are really special people. You are special people. I am a saint, according to God's word. I am God's workmanship, his handiwork, born anew of Christ to do his good will. I'm a fellow, cit- fellow citizen with the rest of God's family. That's just the first part of this list. The list goes on this page and on this page. All of these are in scripture. So you can look them up. You can underline them. You can make a list for yourself in your journal. But it's important for you to get this straight. Because if you don't get this straight, you can't walk in that perfect fellowship that Christ died to give us. You'll be thinking, oh no, I'm a rotten old sinner. I'm a terrible person. I'm going to hide from God. You know, when Adam and Eve, that when they sinned, they hid from God. That's not fellowship with God. That's not unity with God. That's, that, that's, that's something wrong. God has sent his son to restore that. We don't have to hide from God any longer. He loves you. He loves us. And he wants us to be in fellowship with him. So this year, let's start out getting that straight in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirit, and walking into this new year, restored in who we are, so that we can do the work that God has for us to do. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we just thank you so much that your word is a lamp to our feet. It lights the way, the path that we are to walk. So we thank you for it, and we pray that by your spirit, you teach us to walk according to your word, not according to our past, our own thoughts, our own messed up heritage that came from our sin, but according to who we now are in Christ because we've been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb. We thank you for that and we pray that you establish us in your purposes in this new year 
so that you can do a mighty work in us and through us on the earth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 